As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Ground. Paul Jr. Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be here with you. Jay, what's going on? Getting cold. Cold practice yesterday, even colder today. I don't know if I'm ready for this. It kind of happens around here. You go straight from summer to winter, it seems like. There wasn't much of a fall. Uh, But what better place to go than Pittsburgh if you're going to have a a cold AFC North type of game? Ugh. Uh... First of all, behind the scenes on this podcast, uh, Jay has his like furnace heater that's down near where he records and oftentimes has to turn it off. I forgot. <laughs> it might, it, it, we, you, there might be a hum coming. I, well, I, I can pretty much guarantee there will be, a, it's going to kick so on like, at some if point. Jay ever, if you ever hear teeth chattering around like the 48 <laughs> minute mark, uh, no, it's because Jay, for for your good, for your listening quality, listener, <laughs> decided. Look, I'm turning my heat off just for you because I don't want that sound. But I feel like today is a good day to so just go ahead and leave it on. Just there, sorry, listeners, got to take it on the chin a little bit. There have been multiple times where my wife has either come home from work or woken up in the middle of the night, like, "Why is it so cold?" And because I I just forget to turn it back on, and it yes, it gets quite cold. Uh, one of, you know, you mentioned going to Pittsburgh, one mm-hmm. of my, probably the most memorable Pittsburgh trip I've ever done covering this team was because of how cold it was there. I can't remember the year it was maybe 13 or 14. It might've been the year that Kevin Huber got his like jaw broke, mm-hmm. but it was the coldest it's ever been, uh, at a game in Pittsburgh. I mean, it was like in the, in the negatives and where they park you in Pittsburgh for press is like there's a, like a subway that's about a block and a half away, two blocks away, and you have to walk. I In that two-block walk, <laughs> I mean, I lost all feeling in face, extremity. I mean, I was bundled up, but like I, it was unbelievable how cold it was. I don't know how the players played that day, and I still remember there were about 20,000 fans there. I mean, it was it was three quarters empty because it was just they, the Steelers weren't very good. I don't believe at that point. And every every 
you know, everybody was like, I don't, there's no way I'm going out in that. I just, I will never forget how cold it was. Hopefully that's not quite what it's going to be here uh, on Sunday, 425 kick um, on that one. Um, we've got, we're going to get to that. We're going to talk a bunch about the game. We're going to talk to Mark Caboli, who's going to join us from Pittsburgh. Jay, that is up for those of us on YouTube. What's up to everybody uh, here with us on YouTube? Good to have you here. Thanks for chiming in. Uh, you can go on the channel. Jay's conversation with uh, Mark is up there as a separate uh, upload, so you can, you can go watch that. Give that a big like. Be nice to Mark in the comments. Uh, and big week for Mark. Yeah, but or if you're just listening here on the podcast, that'll be coming your way here in a little bit. Great conversation there. Um, also, if you are on YouTube here, drop in your questions. If you have any questions, we'll try to get to some uh, YouTube question Q&A uh, in the second half of the show. So if you have something, go ahead and drop that in there, and we'll try to get to some of the best ones. Uh, outside of that, we're going to run through some news before we get into all of our standard stuff, predictions, what have yous. Um, there's not, you know, the stuff that's up right now, the Burrow episode is up uh, from Tuesday. Highly recommend that. I think generally very happy with the way that came out. JT O'Sullivan was fantastic. Um, we had a lot of really good conversation about what Joe Burrow has been. I have a story up kind of further detailing some of those conversations that we had now. If you want to go read that, um, uh, a, a lot of work going into kind of giving a b- big picture of where Joe Burrow is right now, and he talked a little bit more about that yesterday. Um, a lot of the stuff that we talked about, about how the beginning of the season was just a reminder for him of the way that he has to play, and that it means you can't just go out there and just have a stock, here's a Joe Burrow performance. A Joe Burrow, Burrow performance has to be potentially many different things and understanding how many different ways he has to be able to play because of whatever the game plan is that week. And that was kind of the lesson of the early season. And we talked a lot about that last week, about his toolbox expansion that has happened a little bit this year. JT O'Sullivan, very good on that. Having more ways that he can beat you, being far more efficient at the other ways, the non-sexy ways, the non-highlight reel ways. You're seeing the boring ways where he's just boring people to death a little bit this year with some of the ways that he started to play. Burrow good on that yesterday. More in- info in that story if you want to go read that on The Athletic. Jay's got a story up on sad stats. <laughs> Jay's got Rookie. sad stats. Yeah, uh, it. It struck me. I, I know they've got a, a. I didn't look this up. They've got a very bad record against got quarterbacks making their first career NFL start. Some legendary who's that names have beat them. Uh, but it's the same with with any rookie. They've they've lost seven of their last eight games against rookie quarterbacks, um, and it would be eight in a row if they didn't make that impressive comeback from the fourteen nothing deficit. We're almost down twenty one nothing going into that Jacksonville halftime last year and then they came back and won it at the very end. It's just for for some reason and it's it's not league wide. There's only a handful of teams that are under five hundred against rookie quarterbacks since two thousand. Uh the Bengals are just barely over five hundred, but it's still the fifth worst winning percentage. Um rookies have given them fits for whatever reason. And Kenny Pickett likely will be the only one they face this year, and uh, it's it's a gotta have it game. You they they cannot afford to go zero and four in the division and lose to another rookie quarterback. Yeah, especially Kenny Pickett. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know the and we'll, Mark will talk about this and we'll talk about this a little later. But I mean, the way that 
the Steelers found a little bit of juice in their run game against New Orleans. And, and mm-hmm. if that is, uh, you know, really both teams, if their rejuvenation of their run games in their last game is a blip, or if it is a true momentum that carries over, might go a long way to saying who wins this game. I mean, the Steelers have to have that. They they cannot have Kenny Pickett dropping back and having to make decisions and throws um, like he was earlier in the year where he threw 52 times, 44 times, 38 times. I mean, those are just – those are loser games for them. Mm. They're going to have too many sacks, too many turnovers. He's a rookie quarterback making too many rookie mistakes. But if they can mitigate what they need from him uh, with a running game, well, yeah, it can look a little different. Um, and so that that's going to be a big part of this weekend's game uh, there too. Um, other news, um, talk to Joe Burrow. Asked, I asked him about the slit film turf, which uh, if you listen to Uncle Mike last week, talk about how you know the NFLPA stressing right now, uh, trying to have a sort of a universal turf. Whatever the turf is, whatever everyone decides is the safest turf, every field that has turf in the NFL needs to have that. And it has pointed out specifically this slit film turf, which the Bengals have amongst, uh, I think, five other stadiums, seven teams. Um, And he pointed out that, yeah, you can feel a difference, one, and you you feel it when you're running, cutting, uh, things like that. And he would like to see there be the same turf across the league. Also pointing out, he likes turf. He likes playing on it. Feels faster. Yeah. Um, and so, again, what do we say, Jay, around here? When Joe Burrow speaks. Things get done. Things get done. Uh, you You wonder if not just Burrow, the NFL PA. And, I, and this probably will go above the Bengals. I mean, this will be an NFL, NFL, PA thing where they decide, look, we need to mandate the same turf if, if this is really causing an issue across the league. But, you know, Burrow always wanted to be to have a very unfiltered, honest opinion about these types of things. Uh, pre- pretty clear that he would like to see whatever that is to be the same everywhere and not have different playing surfaces. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, right it's – I was just saying there – it. Just to clarify, because it turf is artificial turf. Sometimes it gets a it's people confuse that for turf is grass. There's a lot. There is some talk about all the fields should be grass. That's never going to happen. You have domes where you can't have grass. You you they it can't be uniform. Even if they had every stadium had grass, it can't be uniform. There's just different regions of the country going to have different kinds of grass. It's a little myopic to think that these stadiums are only for the NFL players. I mean. Taylor Swift coming to Paycor. Guns N' Roses have been there. There have been soccer games there. They're, they have high school games. It's just that that's never going to be the case where it, it's going to be grass. But finding a uniform artificial surface seems very doable. And, yes, it's going to cost the Bengals money because they just installed theirs in 2018. It's good for a few more years. But I, you're right. I think this is going to be above the Bengals' head. It's going to be an NFL PA thing where it, it makes all the sense in the world to have a uniform playing surface. Uh, and, and it would. It'd be indoor, outdoor, same surface, um, and not even the same. Just doing away with the slit film, right? Um, yeah, it's a money. I mean, it's a money thing. It's it, look, you're you're losing. It's not just more money to upkeep grass. 
It is money that you don't make because you can't have as many things going on in the field. And these people that right. build these stadiums, and particularly if you uh, spend a bunch of money on them, want to have all kinds of events in there. And that's and that's understandable uh, in its own right. That said, I think I've talked about this before in this podcast. You know what? I The biggest problem I have with the turf, the Bengals turf, it looks ugly. It looks dirty it mm-hmm. like those black pellets that are always everywhere look awful and it's been that way for like the last couple of years it just looks sloppy and you know there's got to be a way to fix it can can you get green pellets can you get like <laughs> something different other than that yeah. ugly muddy looking sloppy looking black that's just all over the place um it just that's that's my uh that's my two cents on it. Now that's, I am offended with my eyes. They get offended with their lower extremity injuries. We all have our issues <laughs> with whatever it is. Um, so, but that's that. That was sort of that. Um, another little bit. Um, we did talk to. I did ask Zach Taylor about Larry Ogan Joby, and the question you know that comes up is, uh, look. When it wasn't about free agency when he signed with the Bears and they made their move to BJ Hill. Um, or even when they drafted Zach Carter, it was when Larry Ogunjobi is still hanging out around there as the offseason wore on and got towards training camp, uh, and he ends up in Pittsburgh, You know why there wasn't a more aggressive move made for him. And Zach Taylor sort of said, well, that, you know, there was. Uh, <laughs> there were conversations. Uh, how aggressive they were and how much he would be saying that, I mean, he, he reiterated how much they love Larry Ogunjobi in this building and have so much respect for him and how much he is playing at a high level. Um, and But essentially insinuated that they were pretty aggressive at that point trying to go get Larry Ogunjobi. We knew they weren't going to do that back in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it sort of says, look, we were, we were trying at that point. But, well, they didn't really have the spot. You know, and Ogunjobi is, is he going to, what would he have done here? I mean, he's looking for his own opportunity to shine and he was going to get much more of one in Pittsburgh and come back to Cincinnati where BJ Hill was entrenched as a starter and they drafted somebody in the third round to kind of come be in the reserve as that Carter. So uh, it feels like maybe that was more of an Ogunjobi decision. Uh, although we don't know how monetarily interested the Bengals were uh, in that. Other than I always felt like I thought they would make more of a push, uh, but maybe it was one that Ogunjobi wasn't as interested in the push. Yeah. And there's just that weird dynamic there where, you know, last year he and BJ Hill were basically production wise, very equal and, and snap count wise, very equal. And now BJ's making this ton, this, a big, big bag of money. And, you know, maybe, maybe Larry didn't have an interest in coming here and playing second fiddle to him. Not, not snap wise and depth chart wise, but certainly salary wise. Well, I mean, he was taking a bunch of his salary-wise based on what happened with his injury and situation in Chicago and was right. going to, have to take, take less money. But, yeah, so – but the Bengals have to deal with him, who is, he is starting to play fairly well on that front four that is all back intact. Um, and some thoughts that Minka Fitzpatrick may still play more on that from Mark Caboli here coming in a little bit. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Another thing I wanted to touch on, uh, Brian Callahan showed up on Tom Pelissero's uh, annual look at the next coaching cycle, coaches to expect mm-hmm. to be in the mix. That is not any surprise. You've heard that from us for a long time. He interviewed with the Broncos last year, um, you know, being sort of the right-hand man uh, of Zach Taylor. You heard them. If you go back and listen to the two-on-two we did with Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan back in the, the summer, you know how much sort of the building of the Bengals has been their project together. Um, and and I think there's a lot of buzz around him because of that on top of you know his history in working with quarterbacks, Burrow, Manning, Stafford, Carr, some of the work he's done with them in development. He's going to be a hot name. He's going to be in the mix this cycle. Mm. Uh, I fully would expect to see multiple interviews for Brian coming up this year, and that could put some things in place because another name that's in the sort of the honorable mention section of that list, but you know we have mentioned it many times here, uh, is quarterback coach Dan Pitcher has a future head coach written all over him. But if Brian Callahan is the first future head coach, he has Bengals offensive coordinator written all over him. So it's nice for the Bengals, I think, to feel like they have that um, lineage, if you will, sort of set and ready to go if that were to happen. Yeah, and it's just the ongoing. That's the reason, I mean, they let let, uh, Alex Van Pelt go because they were so – let him go to a division rival, I should say, that they are so impressed with pitcher. And you're – you're right. I mean, every time I talk to to Dan, it, he's just so impressive. And and you did it again your conversation with him for your story on on Burrow and his improvement. And um, with Brian too, you mentioned he, his his history with quarterbacks and teams that are going to be looking for quarterbacks are probably going to be looking for head coaches this year too. The teams picking high in the draft. There's some right now. I think there's four of the top ten picks are belong to teams that acquired those picks via trade. Uh, not necessarily slotted there because of their bad record, but you're still going to have teams with bad records likely moving on from their coach and likely drafting a quarterback of the future. And I can't think of a, a better candidate than Brian to to fill into one of those spots. Show me a coach opening and I'll show you a quarterback problem. Yeah. Pretty much how it goes across this league. That's You are tied to it. Um, all right. Another little bit, uh, Cheeto, Cheeto Bay Wuzier, uh tweeted out this morning that he had successful surgery. Uh, on his knee, so uh, good for him. Uh, and he starts the recovery process now, and and uh, aiming obviously that'll be an aim to try to be back for uh, full next year. He'll be kind of in that same uh, Burrow time frame from when Burrow tore his ACL. You know, you're kind mm-hmm. of in that no that November area um, where you can you can certainly be back by training camp. Hard for a, a corner. I mean, there's a lot of running, cutting, sprinting, stuff like that. So, But I think you know if you're talking about the opener next year, uh, you feel probably pretty good about that for Cheeto. So best of luck to him as he starts his rehab process with the surgery behind him. Um, 
there was a really uh, great conversation, and these have been happening. Credit to the NFL Live team, um, Dan Orlovsky, Marcus Spears, um, Ryan Clark, uh, Mina Kimes, uh, all part of and Sam Ponder's the host of that show, I believe. Yeah, yeah. and so they've done a great job. We talked about that before. They had a, 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 I tweeted this out and there's a video if you want to go watch it. It's, I don't know, about five, seven minute conversation about run game in the NFL and how the efficiency has taken over. It's, it's, it's good in its own right. However, it it is a a perfect example, something that we have talked for a long time here now uh, about on this podcast and with the Bengals uh, about their move from the zone runs, wide zone, even inside zone to these power gap schemes and how they have it has helped rejuvenate and find efficiency in their run game, gun runs, downhill, all the stuff we've been talking about for a month plus now with trying to get Joe Mixon on track and starting to see that. Really interesting to hear them talk about how it's been a shift, the, the shift across the entire league, the trend across the entire league, the efficiency numbers across the entire league because of the way teams are now constituted the way they're constructed defensively to have sideline to sideline linebackers smaller guys that are more built on bending edges and rushing the passer the response from offenses has been a little bit more of the downhill punch them in the mouth has been far more successful as defenses change the way they look running out of nickel running against nickel things like that um i thought it was a really interesting conversation with a specific you know insight into what the Bengals trend has been that's been a big part of their season yeah it's been a big part of their season and you see this all the time where things go one way in the league and then people react and it comes back the other way and uh, sometimes it can catch you flat-footed if it, if it pivots too quickly and the Bengals are not in that situation if it is uh, one of the things that um, I, I think it was uh, Orlovsky put up the the graphic where the, the yards per carry are at the, the highest in NFL history right now. And if it is going to pivot back to that that power running game and, and the more downhill, you've got a DJ Reader. You've got a Josh Tupo. You've got these guys, these big defensive tackles that that a lot of teams have moved away from to get more of the, the smaller type of uh, three techniques to get in there and rush the passer. You've got a slot corner that even if you're in nickel and Mike Hilton, that is very good at tackling and sticking his nose in there. Cam Taylor Britt. One of the things they love about him as a corner really good against the run. So um, yeah, if, if, if this does, if this, this trend continues, it's not like the, the Bengals are going to have to go out and adjust all of a sudden they are built to on both sides of the ball. I mean, if, if you're talking about a downhill power runner, Joe Mixon's the kind of guy you want to have. He is a big physical a hard running guy who kind of refound some explosiveness in that last game against Carolina. Um, I, I became aware of the tweet because uh, Whit- Andrew Whitworth retweeted it and said it was a fantastic conversation. So I was like, well, if he said that I'm, I'm going to watch it. And I watched it. And then soon as I finished it, you would tweet it out where you must've seen Whit's tweet too, because uh, you, you would tweet it out that you had just finished watching it uh, just as I was wrapping it up. And it, it is, it's, it's really good, and I don't watch that show regularly, but they they have had a number of segments like that that, that have been out on social media and uh, just really, really interesting, smart conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you're right. I mean, I think they have proved kind of prophetic in some of the guys that they have acquired. You mean Reader, Hilton, uh, you know, 
focused on corners that can tackle in space. Uh, Logan Wilson, you know, who, who mm-hmm. while while great in coverage, really also they knew he he would be more than strong enough to hold up in the run game up the middle and and trying to stay strong in the spine. And I think you saw that pay off last year as they were able to shut down power running games, Tennessee most notably in the playoffs and things like that, and really be efficient that way. And 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 now and through this year, and then, and then again we'll come back as we talk about DJ Reader's return this week. Um very excited about Pittsburgh in all black versus Bengals in all white. Uniform A A plus uniform game on Sunday. Wanted to make sure that got a mention in our news news segment. I, I would yeah. say best uniform, one of the best uniform matchups of the year. I agree, and it's 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 going to really pop because yes, it moved out of prime time, but this is a it's a four thirty kick. I mean, what sun, time it's is, already sunset basically. Right, in Pittsburgh. It, it, sunset I think is five o'clock in Pittsburgh on <laughs> Sunday. So, uh, and, and one thing for the uni, uni uni watch crowd out there, I, I saw a stat: the Steelers are seven and one. When they wear these all black color rushes, so Jay full of sad uh, stats today. <laughs> full of sad stats. So many trends. So many trends going against the Bengals. Uh, much more about what's going on in Pittsburgh, though, is uh, is something we're going to bring up now. Uh, again, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. Good to have you guys here. Um, you can go check out the conversation that Jay had with Mark Caboli. It's on the channel, um, and you can go check out it's a separate file. Um, but if you're listening right now. Let's bring in Jay's conversation with Mark Caboli from Pittsburgh for all things Steelers, and then we'll come back and talk more specifically about Sunday's game. All right, we're going to head out to snowy Pittsburgh right now and talk to friend of the show, runner-up Bengals fan of the year, Mark Caboli. Mark, how are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. Ever since I quit reading the comments of the whip around, my – you know, I feel a lot better. My confidence is a lot higher. So, but don't worry, Jay. You let me know when they rip on me. So, <laughs> are, are you telling the truth? You're doing good. I mean, or it seems like there's always something that's got you a little upset. Anything you want to get hey, off your chest got, before we get started? We got the red letter date in history coming up here. I am a couple of days from torn Achilles number one. It happened mm. on November 21st of 2021. That's so right. maybe we're at that level. You know, it's been like a month and I haven't had any serious injuries. So that's a plus for me. Well, yeah, fingers crossed it stays that way. That'll So that'll be what, the Monday, the day after the Bengals-Steelers game, you'll celebrate yeah. your anniversary. And Well, I, I was curious. I saw some of the reports from uh, Tomlin's Tuesday press conference today. Were, were you the reporter that asked him about Kenny Pickett getting the hell beat out of him? <laughs> no, that was just some random guy that never shows up. <laughs> and it was the first question he asked. And first, he's, you know why? I know why you said that, because the guy says your Achilles Hill is your pass blocking. And <laughs> that's probably why you thought of me. But uh, then he said something to the fact of, hey, thanks for describing that so perfectly. And the guy says, yeah, he's getting his ass kicked out. <laughs> Whatever he said out there, he's getting the hell kicked out of him. My goodness. I'm like two, five feet away from Tomlin, and I'm just like I had to put my hands in my face. I'm laughing so hard. Uh, he, he normally he would be very curt and you know mm. short, and but he actually played along with it a little bit. So even he made some mention of him a little bit later. Like he said, my buddy over there, the great Tank, some guy named Tank. So okay. Well, you know, as far as Kenny Pickett goes, what what have you seen? I know. What he's had five starts. He's only one of them. He had more touchdowns than interceptions, and 
That was a game he threw for 67 yards, but the Steelers won against Tampa Bay. Um, is he getting the hell beat out of him? And ha- have you seen growth from, from Kenny? Yeah, that, that's the funny part. That's the one thing he's not doing is getting the hell beat out of him. So I don't know where that question came from. You can sit there and tell me that he's not playing very well. He's not reading the field very well. Mm. He's uh, been inaccurate. And we all agree with you. And that you mentioned that Tampa game. The only reason why they won that is because he went out. Trubisky finished that game the last two quarters. So last week was the first game he actually started and finished and won. Very a lot of rookie mistakes, a lot of rookie. He just looks like a rookie quarterback. I mean, I don't know what anybody was expecting out of that guy, especially a guy that didn't get a number one rep until about September 1st. I mean, it's, it's just a process. He's a one-read guy. He's afraid to make mistakes now, maybe because of the eight interceptions early in his career. He's taken the safe throws. I mean, there's a handful of people open down the field against the Saints, and he decided against that or didn't want to throw it there. But when you have the defense playing like it did last week with Watt coming out, you don't want to make too many mistakes. So you're telling me to evaluate Kenny Pickett right now? looks a lot better when – they have a running game can run for 220, but his best attribute right now is his legs. I mean, he ran for another 56 yards last uh, on Sunday, and if he gets in trouble, he takes off and runs. And the Bengals are going to have to be aware of that. If they, I don't know if they use spies or anything to that effect, but if they're playing man coverage and trying to run with guys, Kenny Pickett's pretty quick and pretty nimble, and he can gain some yards. Is this newfound running game kind of? By necessity, they, I know they, they just had the buy. They traded Claypool. Is this kind of a new direction or just something they stumbled on? No, they actually always wanted to run the ball, but they just – what was strange is in the, in the three starts of Pickett where he started and finished, he threw 38, 45, and 50 passes. And nobody's going to win games like that, let alone a rookie. I mean, this offensive line is basically new across the board, and we know you guys know pretty much about poor offensive line play. But the thing about these five that they brought in is they've played every single snap together except for five this year. So that's nine games. I think they're looking at the most part 615 snaps of cohesion, if you want to say it. Yeah. So finally started to click a little bit against the Saints. There was holes. Najee Harris was able to get through it. Jalen Warren was able to get some yards, and they were able to have some splash plays. First time of a play over 20 yards, and they had four rushes over 20 yards. Mm. Some of that had to do with Saints being banged up a little bit, but it looks like finally after a half a season and that bye that the offensive line is finally starting to figure out who the guy next to him is. So they're hoping to put back-to-back together here. That's the next step. They look pretty good Sunday against the Saints. Yeah, that's you know something obviously the Bengals are dealing with too with all their new pieces, and it just it it takes a while for. I mean, people want to see it instantly, and it does take a while. Um, You you wrote about. Jalen Warren and, and Najee Harris kind of splitting carries and that becoming a, a two-headed monster. Um, again, one-game blip, or do you see this being something they utilize against the Bengals and going forward? I mean, Jalen Warren, undrafted guy out of Oklahoma State, I believe. I mean, they brought him in just to hopefully, you know, they needed to spell Najee at times during the, they figured he would be as good as anybody else. And he's turned out to be, gaining reps 
and carries as you as the season's going on. And he had Sunday. He was his probably his worst running game. He had thirty seven yards. Twenty one of them came on the like the more than that. Twenty five of them came on the last two plays. But it, it's it's a guy that's on the upswing. He's a guy that can help out Najee Harris. They can't have him touching the ball 381 times like he did last year as a rookie. And they finally found that guy. But the thing is, Mike Tomlin doesn't like this running back by committee. You look through the years, his 16 years, only once have they had a running back by committee. And I think that was 2012. And that was by necessity because there were some injuries there. He likes to have that bell cow to go to. So that's a little bit of an issue for him. But I think Warren will continue to get his third down plays. He'll continue to get a series here and there because he's been so, so successful in doing that. You know, he's yeah. he's has – 12 first down plays this year, which is, you know, not that much fewer than Najee Harris. And uh, I think they finally stumbled across upon something, especially after it works, you can go and say, Hey, we rushed for 220 yards. This first time we rushed for this many yards in a hundred games. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should stick to it. So I would definitely imagine I'd see a lot more, if not, not that's maybe the same, but very close to about, that that two thirds to a third split of Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Warren's a he's a little bowling ball man. He's fast, he's small, he's thick, and he hits the hole very hard. And uh, he, it's he's been playing very well. And the Steelers traditionally have run the ball very well against the Bengals. Great timing for the Bengals to be getting DJ Reader back this week. Um, Joe Burrow is probably watching this right now saying, come on, Jay, get to the most important question. Is Minka Fitzpatrick going to play this week? I know you said they're leaving the light on for him. Is that is that gamesmanship, or does he really have a chance of playing after just having appendectomy? Wait, first of all, you tell me Joe Burrow really does watch this, or are you just making a funny? I, I, I'm just assuming. <laughs> of course he is. I, I, saw the, I saw the numbers. Now, if Daner was doing it, maybe absolutely. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> no, that's, that's a tough one because you're looking at about fifth, what, eight days from the surgery. Right. Uh, typically, that's a two-week injury. Roethlisberger had one in six. 06 that he stayed out maybe 13, 14 days. I don't think you can compare that to Burrow because what Burrow had some other circumstances surrounding his. Plus, it was a preseason. And it so I think they'll give him a shot here to be able to play. He looked normal. I saw him again. I saw him Monday. I saw him Tuesday. I mean, he, he looks perfect, but I mean, you're still cutting the guy open and yanking out yeah. an organ, even if it's not vital or not. So. I don't know. Uh, they got the Monte KZ who filled in for him on Sunday and played extremely well. I wouldn't be shocked if they held him out just one more week, but it can go either way. It can literally be a coin toss because, I mean, you put some kind of protection over that and you know he's going to want to play. Right. So I think it's still a little bit too early to figure out if he's going to play or not. If I was a betting man, I would probably say no at this point right now, but I wouldn't be shocked that he would. So I'm waffling a little bit here. So I'm not helping Joe out at all. (laughs) I don't know. You'll find out Saturday night when they, or Friday, when they send out the uh, injury. 
So, so Casey did play really well. That was one yes. of the games I watched this first, weekend. First game but, back too, Jay. He broke yeah. his wrist and was was out nine weeks. I mean that Dalton and the Saints a little different degree of difficulty than Bengal and the Burrow or the the Bengals and Burrow. Is that if if Fitzpatrick can't go, is that as simple as plug Casey in and run the same scheme, or do you think they they make some sort of concession and yeah, I think tweak it'll be things? The same. I think where you have to watch out if you the the Bengals are is if Minka does play, then that switches a whole bunch of stuff up because they played a lot of three safety look in preseason and training camp where they had Mink as sort of a freelancer. He can go to the line of scrimmage, be more of a playmaker, the robber, so to speak, mm-hmm. on certain uh, schemes. And now that would change significantly if he plays. If he doesn't, I think you just plug him in like last week, play a lot of the base defense and have KZ uh, playing free safety and then bring in guys like Trey Norwood and guys of that ilk to uh, Arthur Millette to fill out the nickel and the dime. But uh, like I said, if he plays, he's going to have to have basically two game plans. If Minka plays, if Minka doesn't play, because it, it it's going to be that different of a scheme that they put out there mm. if Minka does play. So that's probably why they're not going to let us know until the absolute last minute, because you want them to prepare for both. All right, let's just take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, Minka had one of the the career high four picks against Burrow in the opener. Uh, T.J. Watt had one of the other ones. Uh, Watt came back last week. To me, looked like the regular T.J. Watt. But for you, as someone that's seen pretty much every snap of his career, uh, how did he look to you? And how much better do you think he'll be in the second game back than he was even last week? He didn't produce a lot, a couple mm-hmm. tackles, but his presence out there is basically immeasurable. Yeah. I mean, every, I mean, if not every single one, darn close to every single snap, the Saints had a tight end or somebody to that side just to make his job a little bit more difficult. If it may, meant, you know, a little bit longer way to get to the quarterback, then that opens up to everything else. I mean, you can't double Cam Hayward, can't double Larry Ogunjobi. Alex Highsmith had another two sacks. Just him out there makes that entire defense better because you got to account for him because he could do what he did against, you know, the Bengals week one. I mean, he, you just create havoc. I mean, he can, he can have a, you could throw a quick pass and he could just intercept it at the line of scrimmage and all of a sudden mm-hmm. be a game changer. So you have to account for him. He is wearing a harness on that shoulder, the right one, to prevent, you know, it being hyperextended. He uh, sat out probably a little bit more snaps than you were expected, but I imagine he'll be full tilt this week. And you're going to have to account for him again that once again opens up a little everything. I mean, Steelers that played without Miles Jack last week, too, which was a big loss. And uh, they're supposed to get him back this week as well. So they're going to be, if Minka comes back, 
they'll be as cl- close to a hundred percent for the first time on defense all year. Wow. So that's something to look forward to if you're the Steelers right now. So, with, you know, I was going to say it's, it's kind of a flip that, I mean, Watt really did take it to Lael Collins in that opener and, and Collins had not done anything in training camp, a couple, couple of uh, competitive reps in the, in the joint practice with the Rams. And so now, now you flip that and Collins is the one that's kind of worked up a lather and has been playing for a while. And, and Watt's coming off of, of his first game back. It's that's going to, that's going to, to me, going to be one of the really interesting matchups to watch. because Historically, TJ, he's missed a handful of games over the past couple of years. And that first game back, he's not always his best. Yeah. He might have had some couple sacks in Green Bay last year, but those were sacks that were he just ran himself into, you know, out of the pocket, tripping somebody up at the line of scrimmage. So usually his better games are that second game back when he comes back off of an injury. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. You know, Minka, TJ Watt, there's a long list of Bengal killers that have worn black and gold. Uh, One of them is Chris Boswell, who will not have a chance this week. He's on IR. Um Matthew Wright had a bit of a shaky performance against the Saints. Is is he going to be doing the kicking this week? Are they going to maybe look to yeah, bring in another him. kicker? They're definitely keeping him, and he will be the kicker this uh, this week. They had Nick Skiba all through uh, training camp and preseason, and he was perfect in his uh, one game he played here, but uh, they thought Matthew Wright was a little bit better because he's had some experience in the league, and he missed two makeable field goals against the Saints, and they're lucky that that didn't come back and haunt him. He had a couple short kickoffs as well. So, I mean, they pretty much have to keep him, right? I mean, they grabbed him off the Chiefs practice squad. I guess you can pay him to oh, yeah. tell him to leave, and you can – or you know, deactivate him and bring a guy from the practice squad, but they only have anybody on the practice squad. So it's going to be Matthew Wright. And you would think, what do you have, 59-yarder with the Chiefs this year? Yeah. And he just looked so bad last week. I mean, it's not like Heinz Field right now is probably the worst it's going to be because Pitt's still playing there. High school mm-hmm. games are playing there coming up. Steelers play back-to-back games. The weather's bad, and there's pigeons all over the place. <laughs> We're going to restart it after next week, but that does nothing for them on Thursday. So it's not a great playing surface as we see it right now. So it's not going to help either kicker. Yeah, NFLPA might be rethinking their all fields should be turf fields after all should be grass fields uh, after playing on that one. Um, you – seem down on the Steelers in the whip around thinking that they're already out of the race. I ruled them out of the race a long time ago. Uh, if they win and get to four and six, number one, did, do you give them some life? And number two, will they win? Do you have a prediction and a score for Sunday? I mean, this one is a big one. I mean, if they win this one, then you're like saying, you're looking around saying, okay, here, Got the Colts, the Panthers, the Falcons, the Browns coming up. Those are all potential winning, winnable games. However, it's not like the Steelers are world beaters right now, and probably will, you know, won't be favored in any of those games. I mean, they're going to the on the road to Carolina and Atlanta and Indy, where they could win. I don't know, they should win, but you're going to need. What are you going to need? Ten wins in the AFC to get in, probably. Yeah. 
I mean, that leaves a little margin for error going down the stretch here. Um, Steelers are Steelers fans right now, believe it or not, are more interested in a high draft pick than a playoff appearance. They went from number three overall to number 10 overall, which is one win. And it has people like saying, oh, Steelers are going to even screw this up. They're going to end up seven and 10 and be number 18. And we're going to get a bum in the, in the first round of the playoffs. But I think it's just too much of an uphill battle in order to make the playoffs here. Um, I need to see him win multiple games before I'm going to pick him to win multiple games. So saying that, I think the Bengals will win this game. Steelers only average about 18 points a game. It might be a little bit closer, but I'm thinking maybe 20 to 17. I'm going with the Bengals on the road here, and maybe Steelers fans will be proud of that come (laughs) January when they get (laughs) an extra high pick because of that. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think the Bengals win this. I no way would I lay four and a half, five points. I just, I don't. I think this is going to be a really tight game. But I, you, 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 the bye you, week too, Jay. The bye week, and, bye week. I mean, yeah. that's 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 something you can't forget about. I mean, that's huge. Well, the, the Bengals haven't been great coming off buys historically, but you just distill it down to Joe Burrow versus Kenny Pickett. The the Bengals can't lose this game. So uh, I, I know we'll lose it, but I don't think they will. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will be the big winner on Sunday because I will get to visit with you and uh, have some, I'm some sure. Pits- Pittsburgh press box chili that they refuse to give us bowls for. And I'm going to bring That's my weird. own bowl. We had, we had the Saints last week. And for some weird reason, they they try to have the food that mimics the, the away team. So they had mm. like some mufaladas or whatever you call it. I'm like <laughs> – you know what? I think New Orleans can make those better than Pittsburgh. Yeah. So I would be shocked to see, not see any your skyline, whatever you call that garbage, chili. It's not <laughs> even chili, right? It's like spaghetti, right? It's it's chili on spaghetti. Now, now you're making friends it's with just, all the Bengal fans again. Strangest looking concoction ever, but <laughs> I come from a place where they put French fries on everything. We had yep. a Pittsburgh salad today. I'm like, what in the world's a Pittsburgh salad? It was just a salad with French fries on it. Oh my God! Can't I'll rip pass. on can't rip on skyline chili if I'm putting French fries <laughs> no. on a salad. Well, hey, really do appreciate you taking the time. Uh, very glad that you're healthy. Uh, look forward to celebrating that one year anniversary with you on Sunday. All right, Jay. And hey, my thank you, Mark. Hello, Bengal fans. We love you in Pittsburgh. <laughs> All right, Jay. Um, Kaboli takeaways. Outside yeah, the- of him trying to be, uh, you know, fan favorite <laughs> now and trying to like get into <laughs> yeah. the good graces of Bengals fans. One of the things I thought was interesting, he was talking about how reluctant that that Kenny Pickett is to take chances and and take risks down the field. And it it seems like that kind of defines young quarterbacks. You see them do that more often, and that's where they get into trouble. And he's not doing that, and he's still throwing interceptions. So um, a a great chance, I think, for the, the Bengals here with their pass rush to, to be able to, to put some pressure on him and, and force him into some mistakes. Um, I just, I, I do think they found something in their run game. Um, but I, I, this is, they're going to win the game by, by beating Kenny Pickett. He's, he's prone to throwing interceptions and they took a weapon away from him and chase Claypool by trading him. I just, I think this is a really tough spot the other the other takeaway kind of goes back to what we were talking about is, is Mark was talking about, and I think this should 
concerned people is the how bad of shape that turf is in. And I don't know how many people watch the the uh, by turf Saints, you mean grass the grass yes yeah. the grass that they are at Heinz because Pitt plays on that field and they're having high school playoffs on that field and it's always been a little dicey. They'll be residing it here shortly, but right now it's not in the best shape. And if you watch that that Saint Steelers game, you you saw that. Um, so that the the footing I think is going to be an issue Sunday. Um, we'll we'll see how the the Bengals deal with that. But um, those are my two takeaways that I just I found it odd that that a lot of times these young rookies come in and they kind of have that gunslinger mentality and and Pickett's not doing that. He's being more cautious and. And, and not taking chances down the field and still throwing a lot of interceptions. Well, it sounds like that's shifted, right? Like early on, it was killing him, and he, you can almost hear Mike Tomlin in the meeting saying, Kenny, stop doing that. Just stop it. Stop throwing all the interceptions. Stop trying to shove it downfield. Be safe. We're going to win the game with our defense and yeah. with running and you not making mistakes. And so you've seen what he's kind of – had to try to be more conservative and figure out what he's doing back there. What's that led to? No interceptions, but six sacks each of the last two weeks, mm-hmm. right? And so teams have – the Eagles and the Saints were able to get after him. I mean, this is a Saints team that we know because we documented it when the Bengals played down there have been terrible at getting pressure on quarterbacks. They've not been great pass rushers. The Eagles have been. Uh, but you know, for the Saints to be able to get as much pressure on Pickett as they did um, says something for what maybe the Bengals could try to do to him too. This will inevitably be about winning the turnover battle and letting letting Pickett let you win, right? I mean, mm. and a direct reflection of what happened in week one. Just don't let it go that way. And Burrow said yesterday, jokingly, I'm not going to throw four interceptions in this game, you know, <laughs> not going to do it. Um and I would tend to believe that, you know, you don't want to see it go the way that Cleveland did. And you have one unlucky interception or great play by Miles Garrett uh, early in the game. And suddenly it feels like it sets you back and you're kind of struggling to it. Obviously, Bengals 0-3 when Burrow throws an interception this year. Um, but it's about going out there when he talked about different ways to win. And we talked about him having that toolbox of different ways to win. This is one of those be safe games. This is let let Pickett beat himself. Let the Steelers kind of beat themselves. Take advantage of turnovers and and short fields that you can create with your defense against them, and see if you can get that run game to keep going and be as explosive as it was against Carolina. And don't go playing into their hands with early turnovers, early negative plays, and all that stuff. Do basically do everything. Go Costanza completely on week one. Just don't. <laughs> Just avoid all the lessons that happened there. Uh, you know, play have that play out in real time in Pittsburgh this time. And the the Bengals have run the ball well against the Steelers, uh, particularly since since Joe Burrow arrived. Um, I, I looked at of all the teams they played eight teams at least twice uh, since Burrow's rookie year of twenty twenty, and they're they're averaging four point six five yards per rush against the Steelers. That's the second best of any of those teams. They had five oh five in two games against the Jaguars. So there's, I think a lot of people tend to think of Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh defense and they're hard to run against. And for the longest time, that was the case, but that has shifted because, because the, the threat that, that Joe Burrow and that passing game is, and it's just not quite the same Steeler defense are still very good. And the, the front four is incredible, but they can be run on and the Bengals may have found something um, at when they made the shift, first of all, to the. To, to more of the power running game. And then 
particularly in their last game against Carolina where the, the holes got a little bigger and it, it seemed like Joe Mixon just found an explosiveness, a second gear that, that hadn't been there all year. Um, recent weeks, Steelers defense uh, on the ground, great last week against New Orleans, 15 carries for 29 yards for the Saints, 1.9 per but the week before against Philadelphia, and I granted a lot of the Jalen Hurts uh, QB run game there, but 5.6. The Dolphins at 4.1 per carry. Uh, they did a pretty good job against a bad Tampa Bay offense, 2.9. That but 6.7 to the Bills. You know, another team with a, with a quarterback that can can light them up, and they're worried about that. And the Bills were able to run on them, 18 for 120 in that game, very efficiently. So if you're the Bengals, you're looking at that, right, and saying that's what you want. You know, you want to be able to do everything. Granted, I don't know if you're going to put up 552 yards like the Bills did on the Steelers in that whooping, but I mean, you're you do look at that and say, you know, you you can have it look like it did against Carolina with that balance and try to get mixing going. That's going to be a big deal to offset that front four, right? Because this is what we talked about. Defenses that are set up to beat the Bengals are set up this way. It's why the Browns have given them trouble with what Miles Garrett is uh, and what they've been able to do with their front four teams. If you, if you can't get home with your front four, you're going to have a long day against this Bengals offense. But the Steelers are a team as well-built as any to do that. And T.J. Watt back, Highsmith playing so well on the other side, Cam Hayward, Joby playing well. I mean, they. this is going to be so much about that because we know how that can ruin the Bengals' offense. That can be the one thing, the one antidote. Uh, to try to stop them, they've got they have to find ways to offset that, and the the win rate that happens on the inside um, is going to go a long way uh, to trying to keep this Pittsburgh defense from going out and winning the game like it did in the opener. Yeah, the hat tip to our colleague Aaron Reese who who dives into the true media stats every week and um, comes up with nuggets from each game, and he had mentioned that w- with T.J. Watt back last week, the the Steelers had. They generated pressure on 28% of their, their snaps or on New Orleans dropbacks, but they only blitzed 16% of the time. Um, in the season opener, when they had Watt, they only blitzed Burrow 15% of the time. When when Watt was out after suffering that injury against the Bengals, they were blitzing 30% of the time. You double what they were uh, when they have Watt. So. I think you're going to see that continue, number one, because you don't need to blitz when you've got Watt and those other guys on the D-line. And number two, Joe Burrow is not a guy you want to blitz. The 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 the, 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 the lowest blitz percentage that the Steelers have had all year, even lower than the 15 against the Bengals, was nine against Brady and the Buccaneers. There's just certain quarterbacks you don't want to blitz. And the it, Burrow's one of them, and the Steelers can get pressure. We've seen it, that they can get Plenty of pressure on Burrow without having to bring that extra guy, and it is. This is going to be uh, up to the Bengals' run game. It's going to be up to that that offensive line to to show that they've gotten better. That so much talk of that that first game with Burrow getting hit so many times was four new starters. It's going to take a while for them to build the chemistry, build the camaraderie. Um, it now it's time. I mean, it's it's two months later. Uh, that they are gonna have to be big, big players in in this team having success and slowing down that pass rush. Yeah, I mean, 
that's just it. It's it 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 simply can come down to that sometimes, right? And you mm-hmm. know, you mentioned. I, I wonder how many blitzes there will be total. Brian Callahan was talking to us yesterday and said, I mean, they don't they still bring a fair amount of five man pressures? They're not they're not Blitzberg of back in the day, right? But they still do a fair amount of that. But in this situation with Watt back now against a team that you don't blitz again, I I bet it's in the single digits number of actual blitzes they even bring on the day. Yeah. Um, you know, and probably set for they catch a couple third and longs maybe or something like that or a weird weird situation, but I would I would venture to say it ends up in the single digits. That feels like something that should end up in one of our RPBs, but it's not set in there. <laughs> um what will what will the Steelers have more of? Blitzes or punts? Ooh. Probably I blitzes. T- I would venture blitzes just because you know, very easily could be in the 10, 11, 12 range maybe higher yeah. if they get in a bad in a weird spot in a game but could be an interesting one to track yeah and it could go they could jump out to a big lead and start dialing up more blitzes or they could fall behind and and feel kind of that that urgency and needing to make something happen and, and bring in some more blitzes um, but i don't know i i think i might go more punts than blitzes um and that number could also be affected by Joe Mixon's success on the ground. And if they're able yeah. to feature him and have it be more of a, a balance in play call, uh, a 50-50 type split because they're having that kind of success. We'll see. Jay, you've got stats on the Pittsburgh run game, though, as you try to go up against DJ Reader. And another one from our our good friend Aaron Reese, who, who works the True, True Media Wires for all of us here, um, on the return of Reader, potentially, I think, expected. Um, but we don't know. We won't know for sure until this weekend. They don't well, where they likely will activate him out of the 21 day window and onto the roster. Um, but the potential impact of reader in this game as the Steelers really focus on getting their run game back, uh, could be massive. Yeah. And a, a big shout out to Aaron here with, uh, kind of some nuance to these stats because what he started with was with, with DJ reader, Against the run this season, the Bengals have a 74.4 success rate, and they're only giving up 1.34 yards allowed before contact. Without Reader, they're giving up 1.89 yards before contact. Now you say 0.55 more, big deal, but that success rate without him has dropped to 55.8, down from 74.4, and as Aaron points out, that difference is the equivalent at 74.4 they were the number 1 run defense at 55.8 number 27 run defense so again i feel like we say this all the time you can't overstate the importance of dj reader and this is just one more illustration of that and yes they would have loved to have gotten him back a little sooner for when they were playing the browns and the the Panthers and the the Falcons and those teams that run the ball pretty well, but this is the game they really really need him back, and it it looks like they're going to get him. Um, I want to drop in a couple of questions uh, here from some of the YouTube uh, listeners, watchers, viewers. It's definitely the word I should have used. Um, and this one from Tom Brooks, uh, loyal viewer. See him here all the time. Appreciate you, Tom. Uh, are you more concerned with Highsmith than TJ? Um, you know, talking about the edges. 
uh, I would say maybe when you consider what Highsmith did in the opener to Jonah Williams. I mean, Highsmith mm. really had a great day beating Jonah one-on-one a bunch. I think there will be more attention paid to the TJ Watt side with chips, nudges, all these different weird words that exist for ways to try to keep TJ Watt a little bit off balanced. Um, and at certain point, they have to because they're, they're not going to sit here and go max protect. They're not going to sit here and and do a, a bunch of extra, you know, work on both edges. At a certain point, they need Jonah Williams to not get beat mm-hmm. by Alex Highsmith. I mean, that's part of what this needs to be. So for that fact, I don't know if I'm going to say more concerned, but equally as concerned with yeah. both edges when you consider the trouble they've had. And Brian rightfully pointed out. You know, he has felt like Collins has really kind of hit his stride the last couple of weeks, and they started to play a little bit more like that guy that was playing for Dallas towards the end of last season and into the playoffs, which really sold them on him, on who he can be as the season wears on. He hasn't been the most dedicated to, as far as being in camp practices. We know he has held out there. He was battling the injury and chose to just focus on that. He hasn't done the Wednesday practices all year, not injury related, just not just trying to get himself through the year. Um, and, you know, because they want him to be healthy as the year goes on. And maybe this is where you start to see that and when you need it most uh, with, with Watt across from him this week. It's why you have him here. Yeah, I mean that I, I, I think I'd be with you in saying equally as concerned. I, the, I go back to what what Mark said in my conversation with him, where you know Watt has a history of injuries and he has this kind of consistent tradition, not tradition, but consistent performance of that first game back is eh, and then the second game back and beyond is when you really see him. And he he played well against the Saints, but it wasn't the the game record that he's been in the past. So I, I do wonder about that because um, Collins has played better, but he's going to be getting arguably the, one of the best defensive, not arguably he is one of the best defensive players in the league. Um, And the, the Jonah piece, it, this, this feels like a real pivot point for him. He's, he has struggled at times Uh, Brian and Zach have both kind of downplayed it that, you know, tackles are going to get beat. It's going to happen that overall they feel like he's been consistent, but he hasn't been number overall 11 pick performance. Uh, it, they need to see more from him, and it, it has to start this week because Highsmith can can do just as much damage as T.J. Watt has or does, and you, you then you, you don't even talk about Ogan Joby and what Hayward can do up the middle. So it is. It's – I, I would I would say I'm equally concerned about all four of those guys. As good as the interior of the O line has been, any one of those four defensive linemen can can really I don't wreck, disrupt, whatever word you want to use, they can give Burrow fits. Uh next question here from Stuart Monty. Uh how important will punting be in a slow weather game? I assume slowing down of the turf, general sloppiness, yeah. uh cold, all that stuff. I I would say some. I mean, this look. I, this has the feeling of a Pittsburgh grinder, AFC North. The, all this, a lot of weather talk this week. Mm. A lot of people talking about the weather, dealing with the weather, temperatures, winds. Buffalo is going to have a me me level snow. Like <laughs> I'm trying to explain to my daughters last night. Like no, like they're 
saying that maybe the snow is going to be as tall as daddy, like six feet tall. Unbelievable. I mean, in Buffalo, luckily we're not going to see any of that on our drives up this weekend, but still that cold, nasty, uh, sort of Pittsburgh type of game. And yeah, special teams always ends up playing league. STL, as myself and my good friend Brett Jager like to say, special teams league, uh, where so many of these games do end up being decided by special teams. Now, will it be Drew Chrisman? Will it be Kevin Huber? That has not been decided yet. Either way, it could be a big spot for whoever's in there because especially with a an offense that has had some of the struggles that Pittsburgh has, Pickett that has made some of the bad decisions that he has, put him in more challenging spots, force him to go the length of the field, force their offense to do that stuff. Um, a couple of times where he's working out from inside his own 10 and, and try to allow the good things, the big turnovers to happen from there. Yeah, and then the other part of the punting game that'll be interesting, I guess special teams overall, is uh, Pittsburgh notoriously uh, difficult to kick long field goals at that stadium. And if the turf is bad and the weather's cold, do do you get into that plus 50? Yeah, 50, I think a little beyond 50, they would trust Evan McPherson, but I don't think you're going to see him try anything from 55 or beyond there. So it's not even so much the length of, if it is Huber, what he gets punt-wise, it's, it's going to be that touch uh, and, and being able to drop those balls inside the 20, uh, inside the 10 possibly, and backing up the Pittsburgh offense. Um, if it is Huber, the 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 thing to watch is that first punt. That's the one that's been getting him all year, um, and it and he's talked about it. And if if he can, if he's the one punting, and and I think he will be, um, get that first one out of the way, get a decent kick, and then I think you're, you you see him be all right. But that that if he has a shank on that first one and gives Pittsburgh a short field, it's this feels to me like a one possession game, and that could be a difference maker. Um. All right, let's uh, let's move on here. Thanks to everybody that's watching on YouTube, and if you are, uh, you know, hit that, uh, hit the likes, the subscribes, all that stuff. Thank you to everybody that has hopped on and enjoyed our YouTube content this year. Uh, it's been fun putting all that stuff up for you, and thanks for watching. Um, let's go into Arby's time, Jay. Start getting yep. some of these segments. Jay, do you have any related any related Bengals insight extras stories? Well, I, I tried to get the answer yesterday on the orange car, and I went up to Mike Thomas, and I said, hey, <laughs> the BJ, drama Hill continues. Said, BJ Hill said you lied to us, that, that that's your car, and he said no. He said, if that's my car, give me the keys, because that is not my car. He, he he insists that it's not his, that it is BJ's. I said, well, BJ said he has a truck, and he's like, well, he's got, a, he's got two. He's got a truck, and he's got that car. He says, that is not my car, so... He's he's emphatic about it. If if we did catch him in a lie, he's he's holding to it. Uh, but then I don't know why it, BJ is a prankster and he is a jokester. And you, I don't know if you guys have seen the videos he's done with Jermaine Pratt. And he loves to kind of needle guys. I don't know if that's what's going on here, but I almost I almost want to stake out the parking lot and see who climbs in that car and drives off. You said what I was going to. I feel like we're <laughs> about one more week of this conversation going on till we are going to end up with Jay just setting up a desk in front of that chair and doing his work from the parking lot, waiting to see who actually comes to the car and gets into it. Um, I, I appreciate that this continues to roll on, <laughs> the never-ending story of the uh, the orange sports car between Uncle Mike and BJ Hill. I think you're getting pranked by BJ personally. It's where I've, yeah. it's where I've landed on this. Um, I'm going to reference uh, something that we were talking about 
uh, in the media room yesterday as we were awaiting Brian Callahan coming in to speak with us. Uh, and that was what was happening on Tuesday, uh, I think, because I remember it was, yeah, it was while we were recording on Tuesday, the Taylor Swift tickets were on sale. So we were discussing Taylor Swift coming to Paycor and the, and the, the everybody sitting in the queue line for like five hours. And to which Brian Callahan came in and was like, I sat in that line for five hours too. I was in that thing all day trying to get those tickets and uh, pointed out, yes, as part of through the stadium, they can get four tickets. And so he had four, but he was going to buy more. Okay. He said, if you can't admit that Taylor Swift is phenomenal, then what did he say, Jay? Then I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Then I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and it was, it, and I, I'm, you know, people that have listened here and they, they know the Elizabeth Blackburn story, how we have talked about her desire to turn Bengals games into a Taylor Swift mm. uh, concert because it's, it's the the mentality of it as an event and something that's unique everywhere it goes, all that stuff. Uh, look, I big big Taylor Swift fan here in my house. I have two young girls. Brian has a seven-year-old daughter, Nora, who uh, is in love with Taylor Swift, great role model to have, strong, independent, writing her own music, uh, running her own business, all this stuff. I don't need to stand up on the Taylor Swift soapbox. Shout out to Brian Callahan for standing strong and being a, being an out there, open <laughs> Swifty in all of our presence, uh, as, he, as he openly admitted to that. So he, he uh, has a lot of love in my household. I can tell you that much. My, my daughter's now big fans of the Bengals offensive coordinator. Um, so that's, uh, that's our RB segment for the day. Let's get into run passer boots, Jay. We've got two. Not one, but two run passer boots for you this week to circulate around the bar that you're at or the watch party that you're at or into your group chat, whatever you want to do, or just keep it to yourself. Uh, run pass or boot for Sunday, Jay. Here's one that I that I I sort of drummed up a little bit. Okay. Higher number. Steelers sacks. Joe Mixon yards per carry. Pittsburgh turnovers. Now, Kenny Pickett has been better at not turning the ball over lately, but he's had some games uh where he's had three picks, they've had fumbles. What do we think this thing ends up? Steeler sacks, mixing yards per carry, Pittsburgh turnovers. I'm going to run with Steeler sacks. I just, it's just the, it's more about their defense than a lack of faith in the the Bengals O line. I do think this line has gotten better, but that that D line is is something else. They're they're gonna get pressured. They're yes, Joe Burrow is very good at getting rid of the ball quick, but. Um, I just I think without Chase, there's he's just there's gonna be five, four, five. Um, well, that's so, the question, right? That's almost the question because I think you right. probably think that there's a good chance that Mixon will end up in the four, four, one. Mm-hmm. Maybe they hope. Uh, is it four? Is it five? Is it three? Yeah, yeah. So I, I I'll, I'll do what you do. I, I'll, I'll you did it last pod. I'll say five Steeler sacks. Uh, four point something mix in yards per carry and two Pittsburgh turnovers. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. I, I think Steelers sacks, I, I think there's a chance Steelers are four or five and there's a chance Mixon's yards per carry are under four. So I'm going to hedge a little bit there and take my chances. Steelers sacks, Mixon yards per carry, Pittsburgh turnovers last. Um, I will say this, mark this down. 
if Mixon's yards per carry is more than Steelers sacks, the Bengals win. Yeah. Period. If I will, I will be stunned. I don't have anything I'm not going to do. I'm not going to like, you know, I'm not going to eat this tweet, right? You know, like all this stuff. I'm not going to, you know, have to get a tattoo across my forehead or something. But I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very strong about that. That if Mixon yards per carry is higher than Steelers sacks in this game, the Bengals win. I will be stunned if it's any other way. I think those are two numbers you can, as, as random as sacks can be and as yeah. weird as yards per carry can be, I do think the way this game should and is expected to go, those will be two very telling numbers. And it's, it's funny because it could be five sacks and then 4.2 for Mixon and you just take one sack away. And it's four sacks and four point two. It's not that big of a difference, but I, I, I agree with you. I think if Mixon can, if Mixon has more, it, that's a great sign for the Bengals. Um, we have a second run passer boot here, and it's, it's Kenny Pickett passer rating. Going back to Joe Mixon, total yards from scrimmage for Joe Mixon, or Bengals red zone percentage. So the Bengals have been great in the red zone, particularly lately. Yeah. Now Steelers defense is a, is a little bit stiffer, but their ability to kind of run the uh, run the ball down there um, has been helpful, and maybe that be something they can do against the Steelers. Pickett's passer rating has been in the vicinity of this in the sixties, low seventies, almost every single game. Um, so if I'm suspecting that he stays on that pace, stays in the 60s, I think Mixon will top that in yards from scrimmage. Even if he's not getting a lot on the ground, just a couple of catches can help him get over that. Red zone percentage is the wild card, obviously. We don't know yeah. that for sure. you know. But three out of four, 75%, 75. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Mixon yards from scrimmage run pass red zone percentage and I'm going to boot picket passer rating. Um, I just, I just think there's a chance. I mean, that could be far lower than 60, but even if it's in the sixties, there's definitely, there's still a good chance that that's the lowest number. Yeah. And I just, uh, I agree with you on mix and I'm going to flip the other two. I think this is going to be a low grinded out kind of game. Um, I, I could see it a, being a one out of two, maybe a two out of four in the red zone being a 50%. And I think, even if Pickett struggles, he'll he'll top fifty passer rating. So I'll, I'll run with Mixon, pass on, pass on uh, uh, Pickett, and then boot the re- the Bengals red zone. Okay, let's move on to Bengals Growler bet. The Growler bet is back after the bye week. Reminder: if you have a guess that you'd like to drop in, you can email it to me, pdaner at theathletic.com, or just drop a line into Twitter if it still exists on Sunday, hashtag Bengals Growler Bet, uh, hashtag Bengals Growler Bet, and if you send me an email, make sure the word growler is somewhere in the subject header, extra credit if you find some very funny way to use growler in the subject header because they make me laugh, and I appreciate it. Shout out Ray White, who does it every single time and almost always makes me laugh. 88% laugh rate. And raise subject headers. Appreciate it. Um, let's go into. I, you know, I love time of game, Jay. Yeah, I'm a big time of game fan. I, I like, especially something that could happen early. Something to look for. Something to keep your eye on as the game gets going. This week's scrawler bet: time of game of the first Joe Burrow sack. Time of game of the first Joe Burrow sack. That is the time on the clock when the play is snapped. Uh, that particular play, you got to be within 
what should I do, Jay? Should I be nice or should I, should I be feeling? It's not the Christmas spirit yet. It's still Thanksgiving no. time. And I'm not giving thanks. I'm not giving, I'm just giving beers away. Okay, delicious, especially delicious 50 West beers that I'm already on the hook for this year. Not in the Thanksgiving spirit yet either. I'm going two seconds either direction. Two. Yeah, I'm wow. keeping it tight. Uh, you got to be within two seconds either direction of the time of game of that snap of the first Joe Burrow sack in this game. Email me, Daniel at The Athletic, or hashtag Bengals Growler Bet. Jay, what say you? So this might be crazy talk, but do we need to have a secondary in case anybody picks zero and it is zero, or do we just say you're not allowed to pick zero? I mean, what are the odds that it's zero? Not one? The I guess last, it's possible. The last time they played in Pittsburgh, zero sacks. Snapped wow. the Steelers' 75-game NFL record streak. I'll say if you want to go zero, go zero. Okay. I'll give it. I'll give it. If you th- if you think the Bengals will pitch a shutout against TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Larry Ogan, Joby, and Alex Highsmith, that is your choice. I do not think they will. No. Um, I'm going to go 1357 of the second quarter. Second quarter. Okay. Uh, I You know what? I feel like sometimes these things happen fast. I'm going to go first <laughs> quarter. I'm going to go 1242. First quarter. Ooh. I'm just gonna say one one happens early. First, maybe the first third down, first or second third down. You know, one of those where it's like ah, get getting those Morrison drives, the first and second drive of the game. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's it. Maybe not. Maybe I look a, look a fool. Maybe they end up giving up zero, and I have to give away a bunch of Bobby's optimistic Bobby's drinks. We shall see. Um. All right. Prediction time, Jay. What do you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm going back to. What I said before, I think it's going to be a low-scoring, grinded-out, old-school AFC North game. Um, I I think the Bengals are going to be able to move the ball, but they're going to be able to struggle to finish drives. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go 16-13 Bengals, three Evan McPherson field goals. I don't know if I'll go one at the gun to win the game, but um, – I, I I said it on Tuesday's pod. There is no way I would lay the points in this game. So I'll, I'll go there, 16-13. The Steelers have not scored more than 20 points in regulation all year. They, the 23 against the Bengals with the overtime field goal is the most that they've scored. You know, the last four, last five weeks, they've gone all the way back to the Bills game. They lost 30-3, 3 20 10, 13, 20. The idea of them putting up points, I mean, this is a game their defense is going to have to win. Turnovers are going to have to win. And I just don't think Joe Burrow is going to do that. I believe him. He's not going to throw four interceptions in the game. He's not going to throw any interceptions. This game is my prediction on that as well. I think it's a zero interception, clean sheet, the type of clean games they've been winning uh, where they don't fall behind by a bunch. uh, And, him knowing he has to play that way is going to be a big part of why they win this game. Uh, and I think you will see a picket interception kind of help them put it away, turn the tide, however you want to call it, in the second half. Bengals 24, Steelers 16 uh, is my prediction for this one. Bengals win, Bengals cover. Uh, five. Was it, were we, are we at five as it moved, Jay? It was at five at one point in the opening line. Do we know what the line has moved to? I haven't looked. I, I, 
I had seen four and a half, but I don't yeah. know if it's moved in off that of four that. and a half five. Get it yeah. what you can get it at. Either way, I have the Bengals covering that number. Jay does not. So, all right. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back with the walk out from Pittsburgh. Very much looking forward to that. Four twenty five kicks. That'll be there in the evening for you, and certainly waiting on you in the morning. Thanks everybody for listening. We will uh, talk to you next time. Enjoy your weekend. Have a good one.